Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty today. On episode number 113, we're going to do a review of the exciting uh, week number 10 as we continue to go through the season. Can't believe we're already 10 weeks in, three weeks away from the season being over and fantasy playoffs getting started. It looks like the NFL's moving forward, which is pretty exciting from what we, all the contingency plans we made at the start of the year. We were treated to a pretty exciting week 10 in the NFL. There were several blow-up weeks from proven stars. There's also surprise weeks from a new, uh, some new up-and-coming players. Scoring was pretty balanced overall, leaving a lot of games up in the air depending on this game Monday night. I'm recording here on Monday afternoon, so we've got Minnesota and Chicago to play tonight, and that's going to determine a lot of games uh, that I'm in and a lot of games in my leagues. I had a pretty good week overall personally. Uh, my team's finished 6-2 and two this week. If I can get 10 PPR points from Thielen, that is. Um, still could lose some games tonight too, but it looks like I'm going to finish 6-2. and two. And like I say every week, I like to remind myself, so I'll remind you too, win or lose, it is a joy to watch football every weekend and to cheer on all of our Dynasty teams. So I hope you had a fun weekend. So after following all the games this week, here are some of my thoughts overall on what we learned from week number 10 and its impact on Dynasty teams. First, I'll just make some overall observations like I do each week. First observation I'm going to call Rojo, oh no, Rojo, oh no. Ronald Jones has been in and out of Bruce Arians' doghouse all season, and the same has been true for Dynasty managers, most of whom benched Rojo on the week that he had his best game of his career. His 98-yard touchdown run was a 16-20 to point play, depending on your scoring systems. I remember my group me yesterday started dinging with tons of notifications of upset owners who actually started Leonard Fournette instead of Rojo this week. And I can relate, because I benched Rojo too. What's worse, I actually played against him and two teams uh, of owners or managers who actually had the nerve to start him. Uh, After his fumble on the first possession, I thought, well, he's done for the day. That's what's going to happen. He's going to be back in the doghouse. But instead, Arian sticks with him, and this 98-yard run turned into a 19-point play in a league that, that I'm in that gives bonus points to running backs when they get to 100 yards. So that play by itself ended up being 19 points. As a dynasty manager, I honestly don't mind losing to great teams or great players, but it is incredibly frustrating to have an unexpected player uh, threaten to cost you a win. That's pretty frustrating. I think we can all relate to that. Thankfully, uh, for my sake, it looks like I'm still going to find a way to win the two games that I am playing against Rojo, in large part because of what now is being called the Hell Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. So as much as you have Rojo... You have a play like the Murray to Hopkins play to end the game. At least in that case, it's a player that I'd expect to win a game for me or a player that I expect to lose to in Hopkins or Murray. Second observation I would make, I'll call it swapping roles. Uh, Two top five rookies are becoming or going in very different directions. Jonathan Taylor, man, he just simply can't be trusted any longer in starting lineups. I started him in my lineup this week, and I think that's the last time I'm going to do it. Like, he's got to prove it. I don't care if I miss a breakout week. I got to see it. I'm not going to start him ever again until I see it. 
the coaching staff reiterated their trust in him all week, but it didn't show up on Thursday night when Naheem Hines got more than double Taylor snaps, 39-17, to and scored two touchdowns. Taylor has much higher draft capital, way better college production, way bigger size, but Hines just looks way faster, more decisive on the football field. If I can see it, the coaches can see it. And if the Colts want to remain in the playoff hunt, as they did by beating Tennessee on Thursday night, I really think that they need to make Taylor sit and just learn from Hines and just wait for his time. And I believe they will now. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got uh, DeAndre Swift. On the other hand, he's beginning to look like last year's uh, Miles Sanders. Or Miles Sanders, who took the reins as the lead running back in Philadelphia, the back third of the 2019 season, and then boosted himself all the way up to become a top 10 dynasty running back in 2020, Swift appears to be poised to do the exact same. He had 71% of the snaps this week and was definitely the best player on the field for the offense for Detroit. And Swift's kind of Alvin Kamara-like comparisons in the draft season, they really were apt on Sunday when he received his second most highest targets in a passing game. He had five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown in addition to 16 carries for 81 yards, which was 5.1 yards per carry. But even better than 5.1 yards per carry is 13.6 yards per reception for a running back. That's incredible. The tide has really turned in Detroit, and Swift is living up to expectations. Uh, While dynasty managers still have to hope for Taylor, um, I actually plan, while, while people are still hoping and have hope for Taylor, I plan to try to offer Taylor and trades for Swift straight up this week. I only owned, uh, have a Taylor in one league, but I'm going to approach the Swift owner this week and see if they still hold out enough hope. It may be the last week that anyone actually would consider making that trade. In fact, it might actually be too late already. Number three observation, I'd say there's some new wide receiver threes, some new wide receiver threes that are on the radar. First would be Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or we'll call MVS. Uh, He's getting one or two deep shots per game, and three of his four touchdowns have been more than 45 yards this year, including a 78-yard bomb on Sunday. He'd have even more deep catches and touchdowns if he didn't drop so many balls. But regardless, Rodgers keeps trusting him every week. Uh, When setting a starting lineup this week, I almost put an MVS over Jimmy Graham in a flex position since Jacksonville's defense is so bad against the pass. I ultimately decided not to, and now I regret it. Uh, MVS is in the running as a wide receiver three and continues to get those, if he continues to get those deep shots from his very, of course, incredibly accurate quarterback, especially in the game when you suspect you need like a boomer bust player, maybe someone that you really just need to score because you're playing a more formidable opponent. You want to get a boomer bust player in your lineup. MVS fits the bill. Similarly, Josh Reynolds, he's quietly out-targeted Robert Woods in each of the last three games, and Cooper Cup in two of the previous three games. Incredible. I bet you most people don't realize that. He's been their most consistent downfield target, too. He's averaged more than 10 points per game in the last four weeks, making him a wide receiver three with a real safe floor. I really loved Reynolds uh, as an incoming rookie in 2017. I always hoped that he could become a starter in L.A. Well, over the last four weeks, he's been more consistent um, he's had been more been a more consistent play than Cup or Woods, but I've not been willing to start him above them. Another manager actually started Reynolds against me this week, and now I need Adam Thielen, like I said earlier, to score about 13 points on Monday night to win my game. Um, I need I really need to consider starting Reynolds. I've got Reynolds and Woods on the same team in, in three different leagues, and I really have to start to consider now whether I'm going to start Reynolds 
over Woods, who just gets more downfield targets and over the last four games has been more consistent. Fourth thing I'll say is I'll say welcome back and get vultured. Welcome back and get vultured. While it was a joy to welcome back Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders to our fantasy lineups, uh, they also left a lot of meat on the bone as they left their dynasty managers pretty disappointed. His previous injury uh, didn't hinder Chubb, uh, nor did his coaches hold back his touches. He had 19 touches on the day, averaging 6.6 yards per carry for 126 yards. Even though Kareem Hunt also had 19 carries for 104 yards, the Browns' running game just simply wore down the Texans, and Chubb had a wonderfully patient, tough red zone touchdown in the fourth quarter. And then, if you saw it, in a painful play for fantasy managers, Chubb had a breakaway run of 59 yards, not 60, 59 yards to win the game for the Browns while costing fantasy managers six points. Chubb did what what Todd Gurley did not do a few weeks ago, and he gave himself up the one-yard line to ice away the game with two Baker Mayfield kneel downs. Chubb was on his way uh, to a score, but he stepped out of bounds. And so in that case, Chubb actually became his own touchdown vulture, believe it or not. On his return to action, though, Miles Sanders, he actually had two other touchdown vultures that made his game look far worse on paper than it really looked on the field. Boston Scott had a 56-yard touchdown run, which can happen from time to time. But Corey Clement, coming in to steal a touchdown after Sanders led the team all the way down the field to the five-yard line, was completely unacceptable for dynasty managers. Clement touched the ball once in a game. Once in the game, and it was that touchdown vulture play. Scott only touched the ball four times in the game, yet he stole a touchdown in one of them. As a result, Sanders finished the day with only 12.5 fantasy points, but his 15 carries and two receptions really showed that he was healthy and he's back to a lead back role. I really think that he, like Chubb, is ready to carry their dynasty dynasty teams into the playoffs. Hopefully, uh, given the length of their injuries, it's not too late. I know in two out of three leagues where I manage one or both of them, it actually might be too late. Their extended absence really hurt me this year. But at least they're in my dynasty leagues, right? At least we're talking about dynasty here, which means that I have a very stable future with both of them, who are two of my very favorite players if you've been following me for very long. Next thing I'll say that I observed, fifth one for the week, is I'll call it step right up. Step right up. I wrote uh, in podcast last week about uh, my favorite waiver wire pickup for the last week was Salvin Ahmed, and I was able to get Ahmed in three of my leagues too. Miami had no fear in putting Matt Breida and Jordan Howard to the side and let their undrafted free agent carry the load. Ahmed touched the ball 22 times for 90 yards and a touchdown in this very first NFL start. He looked confident and really capable of being an NFL starter. Miles Gaskin uh, has to miss two more games, which really means three weeks because they have a bye. When you're on IR, you have to miss not just three weeks, you have to miss three games, so he still has two more games to miss. And Matt Breida, he's still fighting his hamstring injury, and the coaching staff doesn't trust Jordan Howard. In fact, I got a text message just before recording this podcast, or a Twitter message that said that uh, Jordan Howard's been waived from the team. So they've spoken. They saw what they saw in Ahmed and said, hey, we're willing to get rid of Howard right now, as if they hadn't stated that already in the year. Ahmed really could become the steal of the dynasty waiver wire this year. Uh, fantasy managers would be a lot quicker to put Ahmed in the lineup than they were with Gaskin, because Miami's proven that whichever running back wins a starting role, they have a sneaky safe floor for fantasy teams. And so we'll see which Washington Huskies running back can actually win the job in Miami. I would not put it behind Ahmed beating out Gaskins to do so. 
Let's talk injuries. Uh, week 10, thankfully there weren't very many, but I'll talk about three. Uh, first is Drew Brees. He injured his ribs on a hard sack that drew a personal foul penalty. He played a few more plays afterward, but didn't play the second half. So in comes Jameis Winston. He was able to step in and uh, preserve the win, but he didn't really move the offense apart from scoring a couple touchdowns on very short drives after 49er turnovers. If Breeze's injury causes him to miss time, I really think this offense will take a step back. Uh, Breeze has lost a step this year, but he can dink and duck his way down the field enough to give his players plenty of catches and plenty of scoring opportunities. I guess we're going to just have to see if Winston goes back to being a high A-dot pass, passing ways, throwing the ball way downfield, or if he can play within the Saints' offensive system, which doesn't do that. As a Winston owner in several leagues, uh, yes, that means that I held on to him this entire time in, I think, four leagues. I am eager to see if he can if he can change or if the offense will change to fit around Winston's ways. I think the offense could change next year, but mid-season this year, it really feels like it's unlikely and would be too forced. I'm worried about all of my Kamara shares as we head toward the fantasy playoffs if Breeze misses time. And, and again, just got a Twitter report that it looks like it may be even a collapsed lung for Breeze. And so this will probably be a time where Winston jumps in. We'll see if he can adapt to the offense or if they, Sean Payton thinks that he can change the offense that quickly to adjust to Winston's skill set. Next injury uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater injured his knee late in the game, but thankfully reports state that it's not very severe. Uh, still, it looks like he'll probably miss a few games, and that means that P.J. Walker, he came in to take his last, uh, kind of last few meaningless snaps in the blowout loss to Tampa Bay. If he has to step in for Bridgewater for a few weeks, I do believe that the offense will suffer. This is not good news for D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson managers as they make their way toward the fantasy playoffs. Uh, hopefully Bridgewater will be back sooner rather than later. In addition to this, Christian McCaffrey was just named that he's going to miss a few more games too. Man, and Mike Davis, who looked really good to start the year, he looks wasted after that great start to the year. He's just not meant to carry the load for a full season, and he's just out of gas. So without McCaffrey, without Bridgewater, I think Carolina's offense will be hurting, even though you'll hear P.J. Walker's names in my waiver wire picks here in a minute. Last injury to talk about was John Brown. Uh, he had a great game before injuring his ankle. Uh, the severity of the injury is unknown, but he didn't play the rest of the game. Here's the truth, though. When he's healthy, he's a plug-and-play wide receiver two or three. Uh, his injuries this season, however, have really haunted him. Uh, Gabriel Davis uh, has looked great a few times this year in his absence, but he's also really looked like a struggling rookie at times. And so the player I think that gets hurt the most by Allen, by Brown's injuries is Josh Allen, whose worst four games of the season came while Brown was injured. The Bills have a bye week this week, so hopefully that gives Brown a little bit more time to recover and come back for Week 12 and the fantasy playoffs. If not, dynasty managers of both Brown and Josh Allen, I think, are going to be pretty disappointed to end the season. Let's talk real quick about the waiver wire. Just as a reminder, I play in 27 to 30-man rosters. Uh, leagues, that means true dynasty leagues. So the players that I list here are for deep leagues only, what I call real dynasty leagues. This week was a pretty terrible week on the waiver wire, actually, so I can only find... Uh, uh, three that I would offer you right now. First player to recommend on the waiver wire would be PJ Walker. Uh, Walker was a standout player in the XFL shortened season, which led him to signing with Carolina as a free agent this year. He's very unproven and he doesn't have the draft capital of Teddy Bridgewater for sure. So I'm not convinced that he can become an NFL starter, but I'd be willing to take a chance this week just to see what he can do. 
He's the only player I'm really interested in this week. He's likely already rostered in super flex leagues, but in one quarterback leagues, he'd be my first waiver wire addition and probably the only one that I'd go after um, in any league where I was maybe a little shallow at quarterback in a one quarterback league. Second player that I'd mention would be Jakeem Grant. Grant played well, uh, starting in place in uh, Preston Williams this week. He caught four passes for 43 yards and a touchdown. He has a second most snaps behind Devontae Parker, and I think he will consider continue to be the wide receiver one in Miami while Williams uh, recovers from his injury. He's already on rosters in most of my leagues, but I did see him available in a few leagues. That's why I'm able to mention him here. Miami does have a bye week next week, giving uh, him possibly two weeks left to start before Williams comes back and is, and is uh, eligible to come off the IR. I don't think I'd try to pick him up, Grant up, unless, you know, there was a really fringe player, bubble player on my roster that I'd be willing to drop. I don't think he's that important, but thought that I would list him here as well. Finally, third is Alex Collins. Uh, Collins, uh, back from the fantasy grave. (laughs) He was the lead running back for Seattle on Sunday, amazingly. Even scored a touchdown. That said, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are likely to return next week from their injuries, causing Collins to get, I would think, would be demoted back to the practice squad. Um, if you're desperate at running back, or maybe if you do have Carson or Hyde on your roster, uh, I'd consider Collins, but it'd have to be a pretty unique situation that would make me interested. So PJ Walker, Jakeem Grant, Alex Collins, Walker's really the only one that I have much faith in right now that I'd actually go over or go try to get in most of my leagues. Finally, like we do every week, let's talk about some trades. There are four trades that went down in my leagues this week. Trades are starting to get a little bit more slim. As we hit the trade trade deadlines, I think, in several of my leagues uh, starting next week, a week from tomorrow. But there were some trades that went down. Uh, Like I say, one of the things that's unique about this podcast is I'm talking about trades that really happened in my leagues. And so I go into actually what the owners were thinking when they made the trades, which is better than just seeing a trade on paper without knowing the context for it. So that said, here are four trades that went down in my leagues, and one of them was my own. First trade was Julio Jones was traded for Greg Ward, David Moore, in a 2022 first-round pick. It might be one of my first 2022 first-round picks that I've seen go off the board. This trade took place in my 10-team half PPR league. Uh, The manager that traded away Julio did so because he's in rebuilding mode. He kind of offered him out there on the group me and said, hey, I'm willing to move Julio. But I really think that he could have held out for a lot more than what he received in this trade. I would have held out for a first-round pick for sure, which he got in 2022, but I would like to add to that at least a younger project, a project prospect that's yet to break out, like a first or second year player that maybe hasn't had the opportunity to prove themselves or maybe got injured so we haven't quite seen what they look like. I think that we've seen enough of Greg Ward and David Moore to know that they're buried on their depth charts and they're not, they don't really have any possible upside. So in grading this trade, I like the, um, I like the Julio side of this trade as a manager in this league, I'm not too fond of this trade because I'm in the first place team and the team that acquired Julio is the second place team and now is far more capable of beating me. So for multiple reasons, I didn't like this trade for Julio Jones. Next trade is one that I made, Sterling Shepard for a 2021 third round pick and a 2022 second round pick. This trade took place in my 12 team weighted PPR super flex tight end premium league. Now this trade was offered to me by a rebuilding team that had already gathered four first-round picks, five second-round picks in 2021. Man, they are going all in on the rebuild. I'm in fourth place in this league, one game behind the second-place team. Shepard really has. He's led his team in targets since uh, returning from his injury. 
He's getting eight to 10 targets per game, although I think yesterday he actually only got six. But his whole career when he's played with, with Daniel Jones, he's got six or more at every time. So I'm not too thrilled with Daniel Jones' play, but I needed another leading target getter on my roster. And I imagine that he's going to be in my starting lineup every week as I make a run to the playoffs in this league. I really felt like Shepard was worth a third-round pick and a future second-round pick in 2022. His injury history does concern me a little bit long-term, uh, but I like that he's under contract with the Giants through 2023, and I believe that he will continue to be Jones' number one target uh, for the years to come. And so I uh, gave up a good bet to get him and hope it helps me on my playoff run. Last two trades, just to give you a little price check, Alex Smith went for a 2021 second-round pick. This, of course, is Superflex League. 2021 second-round pick for Alex Smith. Uh, this trade took place in my 12-team, weighted PPR, Superflex, tight end premium league. The, the price of what I believe will be a one-year rental quarterback is a second-round pick in the Superflex league. If a team only has one quarterback, that is. So they only had one quarterback, so they were just desperate to try to find a second starting quarterback, even though it's likely only for a year. And so a second-round pick is what it costs to buy Alex Smith for uh, one year. Smith was named the starter last week after Kyle Allen uh, was lost after his season-ending ankle injury. Washington is a good bet to be in the market for a quarterback in 2021 NFL draft, so I do believe this will be Smith's last opportunity to start for a team. That's why the manager that sold Smith could only get a second-round pick back. I think they both knew this was a one-year fix that they were trying to do here in this trade. But the team that traded for Smith now has two starting quarterbacks, so he's happy about that. But here's the thing. He still needs a string, a couple of wins in a row together to make the playoffs. He's on the outside looking in right now. And I just don't think Smith will help his team make the playoffs this year. And so from that standpoint, I think that he lost this trade. He's definitely going to think that he lost this trade if he doesn't make the playoffs, which I don't think uh, this team is able to. Final trade uh, was Mike Gusecki was traded for two third round 2021 picks. So this trade took place in my 12-team half PPR league. Both teams are 4-4, four and four and they're fighting for that sixth uh, playoff spot. The team that traded Gusecki had Mark Andrews and Johnny Smith, so he was willing to depart with Gusecki. And the team that traded for Gusecki only had Harrison Bryant and Ross Dwelly, so he really needed the tight end help. But third-round picks rarely result in dynasty starters. That's true. But if a team has, has three third-round picks, which now they do since they have their own and they got two more picks, the odds increase that one of them might hit. So I like the idea of having three third-round picks in the hopes that one of those three would hit. I really think the Gusecki has yet uh, uh, to really prove his second-round NFL draft pick value in 2018. Uh, but he had a few breakout games, and now he has a new quarterback in Tua, Tungavaola. Uh, so there's hope for his future. But I think I'd rather have the two, uh, now three, given his own pick, third-round picks, just to see what I could do if I could get a player greater than Gusecki, especially if I already had Andrews and Smith on my team like this owner did. So I doubt that Gusecki is going to be the top-tier type of tight end of his future, let alone a player that can actually help this owner get into his last playoff spot. But as they say, that's why we play the games, right? Thanks so much for giving us a, a listen this week. I uh, hope that you enjoyed my week 10 review. Good luck to you on Monday night and your playoff games. Hope that you're able to, or not playoff games, your fantasy dynasty games so that you can get into the playoffs as you etch closer to that. That's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. 
I'd be honored too if you take the time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me, help other people find us. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. After week 10, I still want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.